You know, sometimes you got to learn to love what's good for you. You know what I mean? Hello and welcome to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons, and thank you so much for tuning in. So far, I've talked to women about fantasies they've discovered through fiction and how their real sex and love life have influenced these fantasies. But what about when you want your fantasies to influence your reality? This week, I'm sitting down with sex, love, and relationship coach Larray Joe Bradbury to talk about how we can communicate to real partners the desires we've only explored mentally without feeling weird or shameful. All that and more now. So I'm really excited to talk to you because so my original idea for the show was really just that like I love that's how I got into sex writing like I just love sitting down with like women I can have an honest conversation with whether it's a friend or just someone I just met like to talk about like what like they like and what excites them and it's always sort of related to literature cuz I'm a writer and I love story or, you know, TV or film. Um, yeah. But so, so far the conversations have been like really illuminating and really fun, but they are just, you know, experiential. They're not, mm. um, you know, they're not, I'm not trying to get to a point. I'm just having a fun conversation, but I would really like to talk to someone about like shame and desire and trying to improve your sex life and your relating experiences through fantasy and your desires. So um, I feel like this is a good opportunity for you to sort of introduce your work and sort of how you got to the job you're in right now. Yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you about it. I feel like there's just so much shame and stigma in general about sexuality. And then when we get into more niche sexuality, fantasies, taboos, um, even when we're fantasizing about fictional characters or have some people have like fantasy scenarios that aren't even possible in our planet that involve, you know, fantasy characters and outer space. And people feel so ashamed about it because it's non-normative. So a big part of my work and um, even what started to inform it was wanting to bring sexuality out of the shadows and help to alleviate shame. I grew up with a ton of sexual shame related to religion and feeling like just natural sexuality was bad and wrong and taboo. And when I say natural, I mean that's encompassing like the whole umbrella of experiences. Even these fantasies that we sometimes think are fringe or taboo are very much a natural part of us um, and something that there's a lot of new research coming out that it's inherent in us this piece of us and that it doesn't have to be something that we hide or feel ashamed of so that's really what informed my early work and still does is supporting people on that journey whether they're navigating kink or non-monogamy or any kind of desire to be able to communicate that and feel confident in it and bring it forward in their relationships I love that. What an exciting like life's work because I I also like am so so committed to like this idea that even in 2022 there is just so little space to like authentically express yourself sexually. Like it's crazy. Yeah. 
I was just commenting on my Instagram today that I see so much of even like divine feminine embodiment and it's like women covering themselves in rose petals and like crying at an altar in laundry and I'm like that has never felt like my expression of even my own gender and that we're putting this on a pedestal of this is the divine feminine or divine masculine or how our sexuality is supposed to be that it's supposed to be in beautiful laundry it's like Many of the times where I feel most embodied and the most sexual are these raw, feral, dirty moments or these playful, silly, goofy moments where you're rolling around and laughing. And that's not represented. It's represented in this um, almost but very performative way of sexuality. I'm so glad you said that because I do think a big part of these conversations is that a lot of times like our fantasies are so outside of the realm of what we consider normal. You know, they're not beautiful. They're not, you know, trussing yourself up in lace and lingerie. It's like a lot of times they are weird. I say that with air quotes, like they're weird, they're raw, they're really messy. And I think like particularly women, because I'm mostly speaking to women right now, um, of all sexual orientations and like it's just really kind of hard for them to admit the reality of their fantasy but like once they do they say like I like this and I think this is where it's coming from like that is so I think freeing and I think that's why these conversations are so fun because they're like I've never been able to say that before so I'd love to sort of like get your take on like the importance of having fantasies, like how important they are to your sexuality. Yeah, absolutely. I think that our fantasies are really this opportunity to get outside of the box that society tries to constrain us to. Like like we were saying, even about gender expression or feeling like you need that rose petal candlelit romance. When we have a fantasy, it takes us far out of that realm so that we can play with these themes that we can't even access in our day-to-day lives. So things like power, control, surrender, even like these outer space things are playing with these very subconscious uh, concepts of our identity, who we even are, who we want to be, or maybe who we don't want to be in real life. But um, that is fun to like put on a role because it's actually so different than who we are and who we are in real life. Like, you know, I think about wanting to be um, dominated in bed, but I don't want to be dominated on the street. And it's like, we can have this desire for something um but it's this way to maintain our own control over it in a safe place that's that's great especially because i think i always ask women like what's the fantasy and how does it inform your real life like how because a lot of times the fantasies are if they were exactly implemented in real life it would possibly be like a little dangerous or unhealthy And a lot of times they're like, it does inform my real life and my relating sometimes in a way that's not great for me. Um, And sometimes like, you know, in a way that I've like learned from in the past with it not being great for me. Uh, But I love that you said like fantasy can really exist as its own world where like the rules of reality are not the same. It's like maybe you want this in the fantasy um, and maybe like it looks this way and it feels this way, but that's not actually like how you want it to play out in the real world or how you want other people to treat you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're really speaking to this great concept of like, where are the boundaries around that? And how can we introduce any of these concepts into our lives in a way that does feel safe and contained? So if we have something that might play out, or uh, even feel like it's a little bit damaging or tough or tense, like uh, maybe it touches on a relationship dynamic that's unhealthy, or where there's like a 24-7 power exchange, how do we create boundaries? around that and safety so that we can explore that in a way that is like baby stepping in versus the 50 shades of gray way which is like really no voice no boundaries just total control without really consent so how can we have even something that is in our lives very deeply but where we still have agency right I'm sure that that's really like the defining factor with these fantasies that if implemented exactly like with the Fifty Shades thing, which is very just like completely takes her agency away. Um, I think that like, but that is also, I think, I think that book did so well and fantasies like that do so well because it is fantasy. It's like, I think a lot, it really appeals to a type of woman who is like tired of always, you know, being caring and taking care of people, you know, mothers and and women who haven't had really positive sexual experiences. Like, I think that fantasy really caters to them. But a big criticism of the book was like, this is so toxic, like, women shouldn't want this. It's like, I think the better question is like, why do women like this? Like, why do they want this? Um, Because that's the reality. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And it's like, how do, again, we do that safely? Because like, if let's say young women are reading it, and they're turned on and interested in this, it's like, all right, well, let's now give you a path forward to kink community where you can like learn how to do it safe and consensually and with boundaries. But we grow up in such a sex negative culture that we don't have any um, like education around consent or communication with a partner, which is kind of where it becomes more dangerous. Because we have these fantasies and we have these desires and this media that in and of itself isn't unhealthy but if we're not taught how do we communicate this with our partners especially for those who identify as men um giving like getting lots of media influence about even something as simple as like Mario and Peach, like Mario coming in and saving the princess. And it's like, you know, the hero always gets the girl. And then when the hero doesn't get the girl, what does that say about masculinity? And um, do they start to blur the lines of consent or breach consent if they're not feeling like they're a good guy? I'm putting that in air quotes, is being rewarded with the princess. Then you get like incel culture. So if we're not actually taught, how do we engage in... Um, these healthy conversations around sexuality and consent, it can go into that dark place. So like, sex education would just solve so much. (laughs) I know, I think that like, this work that I started, I I sort of fell into it um, when I was working in social media. um, And I just like picked up a client who worked with Tantra. And then I just sort of got thrown into like the sort of whole fantasy world of like the sexual wellness industry, I feel like though so many people like don't have access to the sexual wellness industry. Like I tell people what I do and they're like, that's crazy. Um, But it's been such an education for me because I've learned so much from working with like all of this wonderful content. But how would you say like, what would be like baby steps? So like say somebody has a fantasy and maybe it involves like you know, kink, or it involves a power dynamic, or, you know, something like, 
like impact or things that could sort of get dicey if you're not knowledgeable on them? Like, what would you say is like baby steps for someone? Like, I have this fantasy. I know like it's informing something about me and what I want, but I just don't know like where to go from here. Yeah, there's so many great resources out there um, and looking into like true educational resources versus just using like porn or fantasy or erotica as your example, because it's like we have to view those as the fantasy and then the implicate the application of that um, as being interconnected and related but somewhat separate and informed by like the laws of our physics and our bodies and that we have like pain nerve endings and emotions and that we're full spectrum humans so um one big way is to get be getting that education from more formalized sources so online classes teachers that are showing up in the kink space many cities have classes that you can go take and another one is finding that community which also really helps to normalize that our desires aren't bad and wrong and that there's others that share it even the the things that seem most taboo like somebody else is thinking it too and you can find those niche communities um, to meet with fellow people that are interested in it and feel like you're seen and you're not alone and be able to play with them in safe ways that's great I so it sounds like like you know, to to really take your fantasies and allow them to enrich your sex life like it takes a lot of communication but like on top of that, it just takes community. Like you need to be able to have these conversations that we're having here on this podcast, like with other people who are feeling similarly and who might have experimented more than you and sort of learned what works and what doesn't. Um, and like, sort of what would you say the difference is? Because I know there's, there is a lot of content online and people might hear what we're saying right now and like go onto their Instagram and like type in kink or, you know, what would you say is like, you would classify the difference between like a kink or sexuality educator and somebody who might lead you astray. So I guess like red flags, green flags. That is such a great question. I think anyone that is centering on consent and safety in their work. So like if you're going to be going to, uh, let's say a BDSM class, somebody that like the first two things in their curriculum of the class before they're showing you ties and spanking is consent. And then how are we going to do this safely? So setting up the safe words, safe signals, um, language around how are we negotiating boundaries and setting the scene? What is aftercare going to look like? Uh, what are, are the emotional boundaries? So are there certain words or topics that we want to move away from or that feel uncomfortable? And afterwards, I want to be physically soothed for anything that comes up, but also emotionally feel like you see me as the full person that I am. So somebody that's really centering those pieces. Um, and that if they are creating fantasy content as well, that they're also having a voice of, hey, I'm creating this fantasy piece and here's real life so that you're having that dichotomy and not just living in fantasy being portrayed as reality. Right, because I think that's sort of where things go left with porn. It's like, I don't think there's anything inherently, well, there's a lot that could be going better with the porn industry. It's like, but when porn is made ethically and like everybody's on board with everything. Like, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. It's just that like we're not having conversations about the fact that this is entertainment and it's okay to want sexual entertainment. 
Um, yeah. But that like your real sex life is not entertainment, you know? Absolutely. Even when you think about something that's now considered more of like a common fantasy, like anal sex, you're not seeing on porn where they're like lubing up and warming up and like using gradual ways to get to where they're actually having penetrative fast sex. You're missing all that warm up. You don't just jump into that. So uh, yeah, it's just not showing the whole the whole situation you know it's also like that is so part of I think kind of like common discourse these days like anal Mm -hmm. sex but you know we're still not talking about the fact that like it's more complicated like and also just like you know what people think is simple like straight up like penetrative sex you know with a het man and a het woman like it's it is still complicated like there's so much emotion involved it's so much more than just like you know, say you're with a partner, and it's sexy time, like you want to implement fantasy. It's like, I feel like we are just we do just default to this fantasy of like, oh, the lingerie, the rose petals, you know, it's hot and and fast and exciting. It's like, when a lot of times, like, all of that when you implement it is like not sexy it's like it does a lot of work it's a lot of work it doesn't feel good like when you're actually having sex and like there's just no communication involved so like what would you say to somebody who like any orientation like any like gender identity like in a relationship and like just doesn't like feels like their fantasies are fulfilling them in a way that their real sex life isn't like and they aren't having these conversations with their partner um, about like wanting more wanting something different it's just very default like let's have sex and it sort of physically feels good maybe a lot of times it doesn't Um, like what would you like where to begin to have those conversations and start with that type of communication around like hey I have this fantasy (laughs) Yeah, I think so often people are really afraid of how their partners are going to respond. And a big way to overcome that is to feel so firmly rooted in your desires first. And I'm not saying that you should hide or feel ashamed or anything to that extent, but that if you're feeling nervous to bring it up, um, educate yourself and learn more about it yourself first so that you feel like you're coming to the table fully informed because your partner might have questions. They might want to know, well, what is it exactly that you like? What exactly do you want to explore? Or maybe I'm a little nervous to explore that. Do you have any resources? And then you're actually going to be coming like fully equipped and prepared to fully have that conversation. Um, Dan Savage has a really great perspective on this where he says, uh, bring it up like it's this exciting thing that you're adding to the relationship, not like this nervous, shameful piece that you're like ashamed because the energy that you yourself are bringing to it, that you are also engaged and enthused and want to expand your sex life, like focus it on like that you want to be even more connected, even more secure even more fulfilled for both of you um, versus like something's wrong and not feeling good or right let's change it so wherever you can kind of find the positive twists to integrate it the better Um, and another piece of that is opening the floor up to see what it is that your partner is also into it's very likely that if you're feeling like something 
wants to be explored. Your partner might have something else too. It might not be the same thing, but inviting them to share with you what they want or if they're not sure what they want, being like, well, let's both explore with like some reading and classes and like, let's just explore a whole bunch of things together um, so that you can really have this diverse array of things that really connect you. That's awesome. And I feel like that would be like such an exciting phase of a relationship to be in like we're both genuinely like figuring out like what we like outside of the rhetoric I really do think 99% of people are given when they become sexual is like you stick it in and we don't talk about it past that like you know that would be so exciting like let's hold space for each other to like explore what we think is quote weird or explore things that are just different and but like really do like make us feel good and excite us like to be able to do that with another person sounds like it would be really exciting so like to anybody who's nervous to have that conversation it's like imagine if your partner came up to you and basically said like I trust you enough to like open this area of my consciousness to you and like this private thing and like show you this magical inner life I have of you know how wanting yeah like wanting to have you know, sex and pretend we're on Mars. Like, that's Yeah, (laughs) totally. I love that so much. And it also doesn't have to be this, like, zero to a hundred shift overnight where, like, all of a sudden you're going to a dungeon or, like, having Mm -hmm. someone over for a threesome. It can be, like, these little baby steps of getting some props or sexting or even just talking about it while you're having sex. Like, having sex and, and verbalizing, oh, wouldn't it be so hot if, like, we were in a room and people were watching us or whatever it is but in integrating it still in fantasy and reality if that makes sense yeah definitely um I think that like so that is sort of right now where I think we've discussed a lot of like fantasies that are coming from a a healthier place like oh this just was exciting and I'm curious about it but I do think sometimes I talk to women about fantasies that are not coming from such a healed place but that are Mm. still like still need to be looked at and I still think that there is a lot of shame around that like oh I know this fantasy is coming from like a place where I've been hurt or I'm not fully healed and it's like scary to share that but I've also sort of heard them say like I feel like if I could some way engage with this fantasy it could be a big part of me healing like whatever I went through uh, that Mm -hmm. is causing this fantasy so I'm curious like what your perspective is on like toxicity around fantasy because that's really what the whole podcast is about it's like what is toxic and what is like the toxicity of society just being placed on us around sex. Yeah, I I love that concept so much. And there's a growing amount of research that's using kink as a healing modality, particularly mm-hmm. through people who have been through abusive relationships and sexual assault, because we're able to take an experience where our agency was stripped from us or where we didn't have a voice and power and actually reprocess that through the lens of being in a safe container, being able to go at our pace with somebody that we trust or if facilitator that's taking us step by step at our comfort zone and where we get to stop at any time. And when you're thinking about kink as a healing modality, um, in some ways, it is 
replaying a similar concept. So if we like think about like filing folders, it's like a similar emotional imprint. And then it's putting it back into a different file that's like, okay, now I'm reprocessing this, but I can say no. And now I'm practicing saying no, and somebody's actually listening. And okay, now I feel actually safer in my body with my no, and that I can show up and that somebody's going to listen to me and like, all right, now I'm actually feeling safer in sexuality in general, because I'm practicing being heard and having that feedback. And it's creating this beautiful reciprocal relationship where we get to completely transform what's actually happening in our nervous system. Like, because if you're in let's say, a a traumatic situation, all of the contraction and the fight or flight response and the freeze is um, actually being moved through in a physical way where you're able to rewrite that and be like, actually, I am safe and I feel grounded in that. Mm, Yeah, that's so because you, you know, a lot of times, like maybe, you know, if you've if somebody's been assaulted in the past, it's like, maybe that physically looked a lot like normal sex looks like now like when you're past the assault it's like it physically from the outside doesn't look that different so it's like you don't get to go back to that moment where somebody took away your agency and replay it so now it's like you know it feels like something you can never change but I can see like when you can play it out and like I do get to go back to that moment and I do get to sort of like sort of reteach my body like what this physically looks like and how inform how it feels again like I could really see how that's you know, it's the sort of fantasy might sound scary or risky to like want to put yourself in a situation that was so harmful to you in the past, like toxic, quote unquote. But, um, you know, I think that the key difference there is like, this is about me now. Yeah. And I love what you said that so much of what was an abusive situation looks like, quote unquote, the normal sex that we're having now, is that that's where we're getting into, like, you're so correct. And that's where we can start to like check out in our everyday sex Mm -hmm. lives and disassociate from our body. So having embodiment practices, whether that's something that's tantric or kink related, is really this practice of actually getting back into your body and like feeling a rope on you or feeling a stronger hand or a feather or like the light materials next to you that are soft and comforting and all of these different sensory practices that are helping us be in the body instead of the trauma response of of checking out right so it's like the sensory stuff like the the objects and everything that I feel like people associate with kink um it's not just like a, a mental thing it's not just like oh now there's a chain or now there's a feather like it's not the presence of that in the same way that people think of lingerie it's like now we're in a sexual mode it's like no like these are a physical sort of um sensation and a physical marker that's like helping you get into your body in like a way that actually feels good Uh, and I like that you're sort of talking about the physical because you know fantasy and and what we want it when we're playing around with it up here in our head, I think that, and then we get to the moment where we we're it, with a real other person or even with herself trying to implement it. And you're like, Whoa, I'm really thrown off. Like I'm really sort of having an out of body experience and I don't know how to move forward. You know, having that physical anchor 
it seems it seems like a good way to like snap back into it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like this tether to the 3D reality. Like, and there is this also transcendent piece that many people experience of like getting into subspace and having that endorphin rush and feeling very out of body, but in this euphoric way, which is different than the maybe disassociative way. Um, And then learning how do we come back to the present moment, or if we're wanting to surrender into that subspace transcendent state how do we go there as well and that can be a big element of fantasy too is pushing the edges of not only what's like physically possible in our bodies but what's like mentally possible spiritually possible can we like converge with other people in these like alternate realms and have these like transcendent experiences and even be someone else entirely um, and play that role so it's all very interconnected and can be very healing yeah that's so cool especially because it seems like you know whether it's kink or it's role play or you know it's literally just like using a vibrator and when you're having intercourse it seems like there are just these tools that you can use to take fantasy which is mental and spiritual and sort of translate it into a physical language because our physical experience is very different from our mental experience and then like sort of the talk I think that what I'm hearing is like the toxicity might sort of leak in when you don't acknowledge that like there has to be something translated like the mental has to be translated into physical it's not the same plane it's not the same rules of engagement um but i do think that like to translate that like what this fantasy means to you into something physical i also think it's really important to understand that fantasy and I, yes. I think that concept, it sometimes even sounds silly to me. It's like, really dive into why you think it's hot to fuck a guy with wings. Like, you know, it might sound silly, but I think that like really pulling the tether on like, why is this fantasy so attractive to you? Like will help you translate that and get to know yourself sexually and then be able to implement it. Would you say that like, there's like, any advice on like sort of women who are trying to understand that place? Cause I think sometimes there's a lot of shame around it. They're like, no, I feel weird about that. I don't even want to look at that with a magnifying glass. I love that example so much because my friends always joke that the person that I'm attracted to in real life is like, a vampire that only goes out at night and sucks out my soul and like doesn't pay any attention to me (laughs) and I'm like that is coming from my core childhood wounds of like you know chronically being attracted to people that are like abandoned abandonment issues and um this idea of like an energy vampire sucking all my energy and me needing to give of myself and prove of myself so it's like what we are attracted to can be playing out the attachments and uh, these core pieces but the more that we shine light on that the more we can actually heal 
it because if we keep it in the dark and we keep suppressing it and if I was like no I'm not attracted to this and people that hurt me then I can't actually examine it to be like okay this is coming from a place of maybe not feeling worthy or feeling like if I fully showed up on as myself that somebody will reject me and then that would be even more painful or my fear of being seen but whatever that underlying thing is which can be helpful to do with a sex positive professional as well um, or even like sex positive friends or community that have been on similar experiences to be able to pull that out and be like without shame this is coming from a deeper place in me and that that's okay and like let me work through that to get self-information and on the other hand if we do want to just keep it as a fantasy that's totally fine too um but this idea of like feeling so uncomfortable with the fantasy that we don't even want to look at it I would say to take a look at where that messaging is coming from. Like, where were you ever told that this was bad or wrong or not okay? Was it a childhood message, a religious message, a media message? Because once we start to know the root of that message, where where the shame is coming from, then we can be like, all right, this isn't actually mine. And I, I don't naturally believe this then we can get curious about well what is it that I do believe do I believe that my sexuality is natural that we deserve to be able to explore that I know that I'm a good person and that I would always seek consent even if I have these fantasies that are about non-consent and affirming to ourselves our own goodness our own naturalness and the health that is our sexuality Yeah, that's, I'm, I love that, especially because like that, I have seen that shame being so internalized. And I've experienced that. I think everybody has probably experienced that to some degree where it's like, I have these desires. And there's also shame about it. Like that shame must be coming from me. Like I'm the problem when like, in reality, like it might not be you like that shame is probably something that was placed on you that was forced on you that like you don't actually think but that's just like stuck in your brain. So like, I think acknowledging that like, you have ownership over yourself and your thoughts and like some of them aren't yours like they were just put there by somewhere someone else who probably also had like a lot of shit going on that they couldn't process so they just told children that like sex is evil yeah absolutely and somebody else's projection of morality is not a true representation of your own goodness and worth and value yeah it's so it's so tough for me to process that like we still can't as a society accept that sex is good yeah yeah like clearly we all want it we all think it's good most of us I I would say a good majority of us want it we all think it's good like we're all okay with it like it's just like the only thing that everyone does that we all sort of have to collectively feel uncomfortable about for a sake of politeness But I do think what I love about fantasy as a literary genre or, you know, just like the content fan fiction, you know, things people write about stories. And I think what I love is that, like, it's a space where you can have collective conversations about desire. And I think because it's fiction, like society sort of gives, at least with um, 
like written romance you know literary romance like society kind of gives women a pass in that arena they're like well it's a book and women are allowed to read so you know maybe that's okay when in reality like sometimes you open a romance book and you're like whoa that is crazy dirty like I did not expect that but yeah I think it does like allow fantasy allows these public conversations around desire and sex that we just don't get to have about real sex and it's putting people in danger. Yeah, that is so well said. And uh, I, I just want to like sit on that for a minute because it, it is so true. We kind of um, put them in two separate categories. Like it's okay to think about, but it's not okay to do or explore. Or then there's all these like safety barriers and nervousness and fear and shame and that it's kind of just a leftover of puritanical values that we've been inherited and are passed down over time that don't reflect the reality that sex is like constantly proven to not only be really good for your body your brain chemicals but to strengthen social bonds connections there's evidence that um, early humans were much more non-monogamous and that it enhanced social bonding and even parental caretaking in the old like it takes a village kind of a thought Um, and that there's so much to sexuality that we don't understand and are just starting to even scientifically explore because it was only like 40 years ago that they understood understood like the transition of an orgasm from like the orgasmic cycle maybe it was a little bit older than that it might have been like the 50s or 60s but I don't think it was that long ago um or like understood like the labia and the clitoris and the nerve endings so like how are we going to understand these deeper psychological pieces and to navigate these larger questions when like we're just getting to anatomy within the last like few decades. (laughs) That's so rough. It's so rough. And like, I think that uh, like all of the work that people in the sexual wellness industry are are doing and, you know, there's so much more content these days, even than there used to be like five years ago. Um, And I think that's like, just exciting you know I I really hope we do get to a place where you can talk about wanting to fuck an alien and people aren't going to like clutch their pearls because it's just not that big of a deal like yeah who cares who cares you know sex is weird and ugly in the first place like the reality of sex is messy and you know you're getting really intimate and honest with another person and like that doesn't always look like the flash of entertainment most of the time it's weird it's awkward, but it feels good, you know, like that weirdness and that awkwardness, like it is so life giving. So I hope that we can just like face that weirdness eventually and just like get over ourselves like, yeah, you want to fuck a fairy. That's great. And I think that fantasy is really helping to do that. I love this example. And when I was thinking about different fantasy characters that I loved, I thought about how I was actually I had a partner that was into these space fantasies and Mm -hmm. sent me like a ton of comic books um, online or like comic threads that um, depict this. And it was so fascinating to me, all of the artistic variety that could come of this. And while it wasn't something that I um, 
particularly like felt inside me, it was really fun to play in their fantasy. And this Mm -hmm. is another thing for people that are like nervous to bring it up to their partners is it doesn't need to be your partner's cup of tea for your partner to play there with you and to be able to like indulge that and, and have like a good scene with that. Um, But years later, after that partnership, I happened to be uh, tripping on acid under the stars and with my own another partner. And we both had this shared experience, hallucination of turning into some other kind of being while we were having sex that was like this spiritual spacey star being. It was very psychedelic, but I was like thinking about that in the concept of fantasy that maybe there are these deeper experiences that are accessible to us in different transcendent spaces or head spaces that our fantasy is even alluding to wanting to get to another plane of reality who knows like it could be this really deep spiritual experience that um, art and fantasy is trying to kind of grasp at that's amazing I feel like that's like like that's that's a level fantasy implementation (laughs) that sounds super cool um but also I love that that like it's religious almost like your fantasies are coming from another unseen realm they really are that's just facts whether you believe in god or magic or whatever like your fantasies are coming from somewhere mystical and that could like really inform meaning like your meaning in life and like that's awesome suddenly like sex is religious now we're really turning people on their heads (laughs) oh my god I love that so much because yeah like in thinking about where fantasy comes from there's all these new interpretations of well maybe it's social learning theories and maybe it's developed in adolescence or maybe it's like brain chemistry and how we're wired and there's all different types of proof for all different ways that this could develop but I think on this deep level like why do we even need to know it's just like this part of us that wants to be explored and expressed and let's figure out what it's trying to say and what positive it can bring into our lives lives, whether that's connecting with a partner or connecting to a deeper part of ourselves or connecting with something else entirely. That's amazing. My, you said you were thinking about like characters and fantasies you've had. So I'm curious if you landed on anything like, yes, this character or this particular scenario that you'd be willing to share. Yeah. So um, I don't do a ton of like Uh, fantasy in terms of the genre of like you know vampires and and stories so uh other than being teased as loving vampire men that suck my energy (laughs) (laughs) um but I have always been drawn to uh, these kind of dark um, power play dynamics and like the deep corners of BDSM, many of which can only be shown through art because it's not even like safe or practical for our bodies to be like twisted and held in these ways that mm-hmm. don't make like physiological sense. And I, when I think about that, It's like, would I actually want to be chained in a dungeon, like here for days, so uncomfortable, 
No, but like, would I love to do that for an hour with a partner that I felt comfortable with and feel that desperation and sadness and grief and fear? It would be like walking through a sexy haunted house for me where I'm just like, oh my God, I hate this so much. I'm so scared, but I love it. (laughs) I'm like, that is really fun for me. And, And recognizing that it's um sparking something weird and uncomfortable in my brain but that like I almost get the same thrill from it as riding a roller coaster or watching a scary movie or being in a haunted house (laughs) I love that comparison to like a roller coaster or a haunted house like we naturally as humans have a curiosity about trying things that feel intense, like that's the human experience. So the super intense sort of fantasy that you have, like physically intense, translating it into something less physically intense, so you don't harm yourself, but that you still get to play with the emotions. It's like, you know, that a clown with an axe isn't going to kill you in a haunted house, but you feel like they might. And that's exciting for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I feel. And in, in this respect with these like kind of deep dark BDSM desires like it um puts us in that same category of like living on the edge of the taboo and getting to experience it safely I love that well that's all I have (laughs) thank you so much I feel like we tapped on like everything I wanted to talk about and more and uh, the thesis of this episode is like you know go go explore you know who cares (laughs) or what you want it doesn't matter what it sounds like or what it looks like there's always a way to sort of have fun and access these feelings that you're looking for I love that so much yeah it's so beautiful to be able to um, explore that and to be able to take others on that journey so I'm really grateful to have been here and illuminated some of those pieces for your listeners thank you so much I'm grateful that you came on Thank you so much for listening to Charlie Swan's Toxic Turn-Ons. Tune in next week to listen to a friend and I talk about dating comedians. Toxic indeed. For extended show notes that include reading, watching, and listening recommendations, as well as a related journal prompt, subscribe to my Substack below 